improvement. And in that scene, Tim the Toolman Taylor is doing a very poor job of listening to his wife. I want to see a show of hands. Has anyone ever felt like his wife Jill in a conversation where you were sharing with someone and they just weren't listening to anything you had to say? Anybody? All right, most of the people in the church. Okay, now I want to get some feedback. Okay, how did that make you feel when you were pouring your heart out to someone and they just were not listening? Let's get some, let's get some feedback. How did that make you feel? Go ahead, be honest. Even if it was your spouse sitting next to you. <clears throat> What's that? Yeah, unimportant. What else? Come on, everybody raise your hands. I know, I know you're thinking something. Unimportant, what else? Character flaw, you talk too much, okay? Okay. Makes you think that you're boring, okay? What else? Yeah, just like they don't care, you feel unheard, unloved. Good, all those are good things. Um, uh, for the past several months, we've been on a journey here at Wellspring trying to discover what it means to live life together as a church body right here in St. Joseph. We've been um, examining New Testament topics such as love, uh, unity, uh, humility, comfort, thankfulness, prayer, and the power of the tongue. And today we'll be discussing the ministry of listening. Um, I believe the ministry of listening is a very crucial aspect to the Christian life. But what's interesting is as we examine the New Testament, we don't find um, a chapter or a major section of the New Testament devoted to this issue. Uh, We find... We have the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, Uh, we have the faith chapter, uh, Hebrews 11, and we have the marriage chapter, 1 Corinthians 7, but we don't have a chapter or a major section of the New Testament devoted to this issue of listening. Um, I want to share a personal story. I will admit that I am not the most qualified person to be speaking on this issue. Um, I remember very clearly, um, one time I was driving in my car, my fiance Sarah, was in the passenger seat. We were heading east on Frederick, I believe, and getting ready to turn left onto the Belt Highway. And she was telling me something about her nursing classes at Missouri Western and something about an outfit that she wanted to buy. And she talked for about three to five minutes. And when she finished, I immediately just went into whatever was on my mind. I did not even acknowledge anything she said. And I'll never forget her response. Justin, did you listen to anything I just said? And I have had that happen to me way more times than I like to admit in my relationship with her and with some of my close friends and family. So I'm not the most qualified person to be up here. Um, Thankfully, though, we serve a Savior who set a really good example for us in this issue. So let's uh, open our Bibles today to the Gospel of Mark, Book of Mark, chapter 5, verses 21 through 34. It is page 697 if you're using a pew Bible. Mark 5, 21-34. It says, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. 
Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you for this story, God, that we are about to examine. I pray that you would open our hearts, God, and reveal to us what you want to speak to us today, God. Let us learn from you how to be people who love and show compassion toward others, God, and how we listen to them, Lord. In your name, amen. All right, so Jesus is in a boat, crosses over a lake, and immediately he's surrounded by a large crowd of people. And it says a man named Jairus quickly approaches him, Now, it's really important to understand that Jairus was not just an ordinary citizen. He was a synagogue leader, so that made him kind of a big deal. He was very known in the community. And so you can immediately kind of imagine what was going on in the minds of his disciples, thinking things like, hey, this this Jairus guy is a pretty big deal. If we can heal his daughter, this is going to give us a good reputation in this area. Maybe we're going to get some street recognition for this miracle if Jesus pulls this one off. So Jairus approaches Jesus. Tells him that his little girl's dying, and he wants Jesus to come and lay his hands on his daughter so that she'll be healed and live. So Jesus agrees, and he follows this man, and he sets out on his mission. And while he was on his mission, it says a large crowd followed and pressed around him. Now I want to kind of get a visual here. Imagine the last time you were at a major concert, whether it be Tim McGraw, Keith Urban, U2, Muse, whoever your favorite band is, and picture yourself standing in the general admission section just rocking out to your favorite artist, and there's people all around you, it's loud, it's chaotic, it's people smell, it's uncomfortable. Imagine that, and then trying to walk in that crowd, just to give you a little visual of probably what was going on. And so the demands of Jesus' ministry at this moment were very extreme. He was literally on his way to save the life of a little girl, and it was a bigger deal than having a um, a business meeting to attend, or a luncheon to attend, or a Sunday afternoon football game to watch. Uh, The life of this little girl was um, in many ways depending on him. And this little girl's father, Jairus, was desperate for a miracle. And she heard about Jesus and thought, if I can just touch his clothes, surely I'll be healed. So desperate for a miracle, she came up, she fought her way through the crowd and touched his cloak. And he says immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt freed from her suffering. Now although Jesus was being touched by all kinds of people in the crowd, it says that... um, we know that uh, there is something different about the touch of this woman. And he asked, who touched my clothes? Now, this is kind of a humorous part of scripture. It's easy to miss. You can imagine his disciples thinking, Jesus, you're getting touched by all kinds of people, and you're going to ask who touched me? That's, that's kind of a dumb question, man. And um, let's take a look in, um, uh, at the woman's response in verse 33 again, if you guys still have your Bible out. It says, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. Now take a moment and put yourself in in this woman's shoes. So you're in a large crowd, and Jesus is basically calling you out. 
And this woman would have been aware of the ceremonial law found in the Old Testament book of Leviticus in chapter 15, which states that if a, uh, a woman with a blood issue such as she had, if she were to touch someone, that would make that person that she touched unclean. So you can imagine how many people this woman probably touched trying to fight her way through the crowd and eventually ending up touching Jesus. <clears throat> so the, um, she was afraid that she committed a serious offense. And fear of committing that offense combined with the fact that you're getting called out by Jesus in a very large crowd was enough to make her tremble with fear. <clears throat> this woman could have chose to run away. She could have said, heck no, I'm getting out of here. I'm not going to say it was me. But she didn't do that. We don't know all the details, but there must have been something she sensed or knew about Jesus. Um, the love that she sensed from him overpowered the fear that she had. It says that she humbly fell at his feet and told him the whole truth. And the Greek word there for whole, it indicates everything, which is really important. So this woman, sitting there at the feet of Jesus, told him everything. Everything about her condition, her story, and right there she had the opportunity to publicly declare her faith. And Jesus listened to her tell him everything. Now think again about the situation and the context there. Jesus has this man, Jairus, who's a big deal in the community. His little girl's dying. You can imagine the frustration he had with Jesus when Jesus stopped in this large crowd and said, Hey, who touched me? He's thinking, Come on, dude, my little daughter's dying. You're going to ask a dumb question like that? So combine that with the fact that there's all kinds of people around. It was, it was chaotic. All kinds of distractions, but yet he took the time and listened to this woman speak. <clears throat> Jesus gave her his full attention in the midst of a large crowd, in the midst of all the chaos and life and ministry demands. He stopped for a woman who was a nobody on the socioeconomic scale. He took the time to give her an opportunity to publicly share her story, her faith, and her testimony. And he listened to her. And then he told her that her faith had healed her and to go in peace and be freed from suffering. It's so encouraging to know that we serve a God who listens to us. And Jesus set an excellent example for us on that day. <clears throat> we know Jesus wasn't looking at his watch thinking, you know, come on, girl, I got, I got, you know, I got people to heal. I got places to be. I got things to do. He wasn't thinking about what he was going to eat for dinner that night, what he was going to do that, you know, that weekend. He took the time to listen to this woman tell him, everything. And we as Christians are called to do the same for others. We're called to deeply and truly listen to people when they talk to us, even when it's an interruption, even when it's inconvenient. Because oftentimes those could be divine appointments. Whether you're at the grocery store, you might get a phone call from someone random or an old friend, you're hustling, bustling, trying to get dinner ready or whatever it is, you know, you're on the job and you might get a random phone call. You know, maybe God wants to use that person to speak to you. But even more than that, maybe God might be putting that specific person in your life at that moment to minister to them and show them love through listening. I want to read um, a, um, a verse from the book of James, if you got that back there. James 1.19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And a German author and theologian, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his book, Life Together, he says this, The first service that one owes to others in the fellowship consists in listening to them. Just as love to God begins with listening to his word, so the beginning of love for the brethren is learning to listen to them. <clears throat> um, I want to share a story of, 
that one of my uh, professors at the seminary I attended, he shared um, about listening. And he told a story about a small group of entrepreneurs on the West Coast who started a listening service as a business endeavor. It's a real fascinating story. Uh, these people would set up shop in local malls and just um, um, public areas of major attraction. And um, people would pay them to listen to them. They charged $25 for a 30-minute session. The men gave the customers their undivided attention. There were no limits on what they could share. And they were sworn to total secrecy and they could not offer any advice. They just sat there and listened. And the business exploded with long lines filling up at every location they set up at. I got kind of sad when I read that. Because people shouldn't have to pay random strangers to listen to them. That's our job as Christians and that's our job as the church. Genuine listening is a way that we show love to others. And if we're going to love others deeply, then we're going to have to learn to listen to them deeply. I have one more quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer I wanted to share. It says, Christians, especially ministers, so often think that they must always contribute something when they are in the company of others, that this is the one service they have to render. They forget that listening can be a greater service than speaking. Many people are looking for an ear that will listen. They do not find it among Christians because these Christians are talking where they should be listening. Um, let's take a moment to examine our own lives. When you arrived here today, you should have got a bulletin. Go ahead and get that out and turn that to a back. Turn that to the back, your bulletin. And I want you guys to honestly answer this question. And the question is, why don't you listen better? And please don't put something like this. Yeah, you know, I send too many text messages when people are talking to me. Or I need to start turning the ESPN off, you know, a little bit earlier in the night when I know my wife is wanting to talk to me about something. Let's go a little bit deeper than that. Um, Maybe it's just the fact that you just don't care about others. Maybe it's the fact that you're really selfish. I know if if I were to answer that question, it would be because I'm very selfish. I like to think about what's on my mind, what's going on in my life. And I'm a very selfish person. That's what I would put. So go ahead and take a moment and write your answer. Why don't you listen better? Now, as we um, examine the story in the Gospel of Mark, we're called to be Christ followers and listen to others in the same way that Christ did us and how he listened to that woman. The demands of Jesus' life and ministry were extreme, and it was chaotic at the time the bleeding woman approached him. Yet in the midst of all the chaos and the demands of his life and ministry, he took the time to listen to a woman who was a social outcast, someone who was rejected by society, He loved her and he valued her by listening to her. And regardless of our life, our jobs, whatever it is, the demands that we have, we're called to genuinely love and listen to those in our lives. Because listening is a major way that we show love to others. We need to be people who listen with our ears, with our eyes, and with our heart. There's too much at stake for us to miss this, I believe. Our marriages depend on it. Our relationships with family and friends depend on it. 
and our success in reaching out to non-Christians depends on it. The primary goal of Christian listening is to know the heart of the person speaking. To know the heart of the person speaking. Listening gets to the deepest needs of people to be loved and, and understood. Probably all of us can think of a time when we were sharing with someone and we knew they were listening. About a week ago, I was having a conversation with a man, and I knew that this guy was listening to me. And one of the ways I knew is he made eye contact with me for 30 minutes straight. He had no distractions, and as I would just sit there and talk, he would just nod his head and say, yeah, mm-hmm, you know, I understand. We know when people are listening to us, and we know when they're not listening to us. And I leave conversations like that feeling loved, feeling valued, and oftentimes even more in touch with God. Because God used that person to show me his love. And as we wrap up today, um, I want to remind you guys of a point that Bob has been making lately about application. Uh, There's a big temptation that we face when we um, try to become more like Christ in the way that we listen to others. It's easy to think of all the practical things we can do. Yeah, I I need to stop texting people when someone's talking to me. I need to stop playing on my computer so much when so-and-so's talking to me. I need to shut the TV off an hour earlier. While those are good things, it's the wrong place to start. Because even non-Christians can become better listeners. What's different about us as the body of Christ learning to do life together? In order to take it a step further, we got to ask the question that we love to ask around here, that Pastor Bob loves to ask, the why question. Why am I so selective in what I hear from others? Why am I so selfish and only listen to what I care about? And once you get to the root of the issue, then you can move forward and experience change that's going to last. So I, I really, I challenge you guys this week to examine your hearts. Just get alone with God and, and say, God, search me and know my heart. What is it? Why am I such a poor listener? Am I really that selfish? For me, that's what it would be. Whatever it is for you, when you find, when you find out what the issue is, repent of it. And, and turn away it, and turn away from it, and ask Christ to shape your heart into His, and to, and to conform your heart to His heart. And we have such great resources, just just in the Gospels alone, in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just tons of stories of the life of Christ. Read those stories, and see how He loved people and valued them, and how He listened to them. I believe there's too much at stake for us to not be deep listeners to those in our lives. We can't know the struggles and fears of our fellow Christians if we don't listen to them. And there are hundreds and thousands of people in this city alone that they have genuine fears and questions and concerns about Christianity and the church. And we need to be able to respond to those questions and concerns. And the only way we're going to be able to respond is if we learn to listen to them. Let's pray together.